1: Is up everybody my name is James DiFiore, and this is Blackball. I have had a few days off coming back to the sticks from Toronto and it turns out my favorite thing to do in Toronto now is to go out find good non-Caucasian food bitch and moan about the price of that non-Caucasian food uh, which has nothing to do with the fact that it's non-Caucasian um, and then go home wherever I'm staying and eat it and then when I get hungry again I just do the same thing. And that's literally all I did while I was there. I did not go out to have fun, I did not go out to socialize, I did not do any of that. And I don't even know why. Um cuz Toronto was good to me when I lived there. And one of the good things about living in Toronto is the live music. And when you have friends that are in bands you get to know all these other bands as well and one of those bands uh is the salads and if you guys ever went to a salad show you would remember because of two things one your ears were really sore but happy and the other thing is your calf muscles would hurt from all of that jumping around because they were the kind of band that um they were uh, like metalheads like them if you like ska you like them if you like hip-hop you like them they were just one of those bands that just kind of made. All these different genres of music make sense when they match them together. And tonight, our guest is the frontman of the salads and other bands as well. And we'll talk about that as well. And his name is Mr. D, Darren Dumas. How you doing, buddy? And now we can't hear you. What did you do? What did you do? <laughs> we can't hear you at all. Something happened between the time that I put you backstage to now. Where we can't hear you, and now I have to just figure it out as I'm talking to nobody. Can you get uh, uh, get out and then co- and click the link? Uh, oh, there you are! You're there! Oh, You're there! Oh, look, there
2: I am. Can you can you hear me now?
1: I think yeah, we can hear you now. What what is going okay. on? I, I, I think, <laughs> this doesn't make There's any sense. a ghost sense in to the, the
0: machine, man. Yeah, it
1: really is. Um, audience, can you hear him now? Can you just someone tell me if we can hear Darren now? Because that was weird. Because this is the second time we fixed our audio trouble without actually having to do anything at all. So weird. Unless, of course, Jen, I'm 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 leaning on you. There we go. <laughs> Apparently, I don't know. They're talking to each other now. That's what my yeah. chatters do. Yeah. Okay, we got we got okay, the thumbs good. up. My <laughs> chatters do that, right? Eh? They they don't talk about the show. They they hardly ever ask any questions. You know what they do? They exchange fucking recipes
2: and chat with each other.
1: They chat with each other. It's 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 <laughs> it's really kind of endearing, but mostly annoying. All right, <laughs> so good, man. how are you
2: i'm good man thank you um how are good. you thank thanks so much for inviting me on the show um i'm i'm a fan a newer oh, fan i don't want to say i don't want to sound too deep i've only listened to a handful of shows like i said the um to you earlier off air um that that one episode you did with uh, interviewing dean i mm-hmm. uh, had a good listen to on a drive uh up north this summer and uh and then uh recently your interview with M. grinder uh both fantastic and and, uh yeah i'm enjoying the show and 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 i'm and i want to start listening to more of the plymouth brethren Brethren. stuff that you're doing because i'm i'm very interested in that and i applaud you for your efforts and thank thank you you. for for um the deep diving and the research that you're that you're doing The, the the let's just say the dedication and time because um you you're touching on risky topics that um, affect yeah. will will affect and and affect your life in different ways that people don't always think about and um
1: but it turns out awesome. Awesome. thank you for saying that Darren I appreciate that um and it turns out that when you try to take down a religious organization that happens to have deep political ties it can get a little messy who would who would have thunk who would have thought that you know since when does big organized religion ever fuck with anyone i, I i'm so shocked about this this is crazy but, but those who yeah. fuck
2: with it you know, not not fuck with it. You know what I'm saying. Those who 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 um, uh, uh, expose and yeah. and 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 sort of bring it to people's attention uh, are should be applauded for all that you,
1: time. You know, well, thank you. You know what's happening now is that I I have people now from other denominations uh, contacting me with their stories, and I'm just you know, and so now I'm I'm kind of like compartmentalizing everything to try to put them in the right little piles and stuff. Sometimes yeah. I get confused as to which. Um, bastardized religion it is that I'm trying to tear down from one day to the next, but you know, as, as an
2: atheist too. And uh, you know, I I am as well. I am as well. I I get it. Uh, the, that's, that's, that in itself has got to be a lot just receiving all that information too, whether you want, whether you want to or not to open an email and start reading it.
1: Yeah. It's, it can be tough because, um, I, I have made it clear that, that anyone that wants to contact me um, with their story, it doesn't necessarily mean that I'll put it on. I do have these rules um, that I, I, cause I was a, it's so it, we're all students of the me too movement, right? What is that? <laughs> oh, there we go. You okay. have yeah, yeah, rules? Yeah. I got rules too. Am I on shoes <laughs> or is there like a shading happening with the font there? Cause
2: yeah, well the, the, the band was on that and, and, and then some, but yeah, know it's a 3d, 3d t-shirt
1: yeah okay um yeah because I, I was like oh shit i did that this weekend <laughs> i was like yeah, I should have worn off by now um but no but, but the uh i forgot what i was saying even now sorry um the, uh you have the, rules yeah they're, oh, they're the rules the rules so when so so when so, listen i i am not in the business of disbelieving people that like contact me to, to tell me their horrible story but the yeah, we're all students of Me Too, and 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 especially journalists, because I think that journalists largely um, they were the best thing that happened to the Me Too movement and the worst thing that ever happened to the Me Too movement. I didn't want to become one of those like outlets where the um, where it was just like uh, you know trying to get clicks by by saying salacious things about uh, either an organization like the Plymouth Brethren or a famous person. And the person doing the accusations was anonymous and there was no evidence or no police report and it's not about disbelief or anything but i was like how can anyone get anywhere if the stories that you're exposing you can't you know you can't really do anything with them because they're they're not going to go anywhere because there's no police report and, and so I made it a rule that if you wanted to come on the show and share your story, you were more than welcome to, but there has to have a, there has to be a police report. And it's interesting because it actually, all the credit belongs to Cheryl Hope, the first person from um, the Plymouth brethren who I spoke with, who, um, who did file a police report at my sort of not urging, but I, I did let her know what I wanted the, the format to be like. And she did it to her credit. And it was a grueling, like 11 hour interview with the RCMP or whatever. And, uh, and when it was over, I like I, I I called her and I'm like I'm really sorry. Like I hope it wasn't like too awful. She's like, no, it's like it was awful, but it was something that I had to do, and it was like freeing. And so she became this inspirational sort of touchstone for a lot of other people to come forward to. And that's really what yeah. I get out of it. You know, is is yeah. is watching these people sort of um, become uh, their own their own rescuers, right? Like it was really, you know, I, I just found it really. I still find it really moving.
2: Yeah, you know? it's amazing, and like I said, I'm going to get deeper into it because I, I I've just seen that you're doing that, and I and listening to what you and Dean were talking about about it as well too. But uh, yeah, yeah. But so
1: amazing. let's start at the beginning. Where, where are you
2: from? Like, where did you grow up? Um, I grew up right here where I have landed back to, actually, in Stratford oh. on in Stratford, Ontario. Oh, yeah. I was I was born in Smooth Rock Falls, uh, near near Timmins, okay. but at the at wow. the age at the age of two right as my sister was born, uh, that we were moved to Mitchell, Ontario, which is just a hop, skip and a jump outside of Stratford. And, um, and then from there, uh, when I was about nine, I want to say, uh, we moved to Stratford and then that was, I was there. Until like th- throughout my teens, like from nine until I left home at 19 to move to Toronto and uh, almost almost 20 years in Toronto, just under. Yeah. And and uh, and then moved here back back home with uh, with my wife and kids.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I, it's funny because I'm, I'm, I'm sort of asking you, but I'm sort of not. But how many when you mentioned that you're from Stratford, how many times is the very next question a Bieber question?
2: <laughs> often now yeah yeah absolutely absolutely <laughs> it's switched from uh, but you know what there's the history of music the the, the people here uh, uh that have come out of Stratford let me just uh, and, and that reside still in Stratford uh or just or newer residents even uh is long 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 list beyond way beyond Bieber um yeah Originally, when uh, my first sort of connection, and my name is in the thank you notes of her first record on EMI. But my friend Dana Manning was sort of the first to kind of of my generation, anyways, and my friends uh, to leave the city and get signed and all that. Um, But we, but you know, she's and she's close with Lorena McKennett. Lorena McKennett's from Stratford. Um, Richard Manuel, uh, from the keys player who committed suicide from uh, uh, the band was born in Stratford. Um, Esthero was born in Stratford. Really? Uh, yeah. I, I found that out a bit later too because she didn't live here, but she was born at the hospital here. Oh, wow. Um, the, yeah, the list goes on. Ron Sexsmith is one of my neighbors down the street. He's oh, a, rec- wow, a recent Stratfordian. Yeah, uh, and M. Griner you
1: know, lives there too now.
2: M. Griner's here as well too. Yeah, yeah. That's
1: interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah, funny. You know. Estero, I, I was living in Los Angeles and I was eating. I was in a really bad mood. I was at a place called Bardot. And I went there with a friend and uh, I was eating this chicken and I was like, and and it tasted like lemon meringue pie, this chicken, right? I don't know what they did to it. Like, you know, lemon and chicken sounds great, but this literally tasted like lemon meringue pie, but chicken. And so I was like, ready to leave. I was like, this is because it cost me like $60, you know, LA, right? Like, and it was like, whatever. So I'm just like, I was ready to leave and I put my chair back and I'm about to call the waitress over and this woman walks over and she, she looks at me. And she, she waves as she walks by me. And I was like, well, fuck. This is my waitress. she's just me. And it was Estero. And they started doing a performance. Her and her band started doing a performance like right beside the table. So I got this. Yeah, it was very strange. I have the film. It's so funny because there uh, were the old DSL cameras where he zoomed. The sound would go away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I had one of those. So I'm interrupting this really brilliant performance every time I zoom. <laughs> yeah, I love Estero. I thought she was like a trailblazer, really.
2: Oh man, she's amazing, and uh, yeah. yeah, much love to her right now. She's going through some some uh, some difficult personal times. She mm. uh, opened up uh, on um, uh, Instagram about I don't know if you've seen any of that, but uh, uh, she's she's beautiful and um, amazing uh, songwriter. I love her music as well too. I wish there was more of it, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, very cool. She's still kicking.
1: So um, let's 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 go to the salads now because um, and I don't know if you're aware of this. So here's the band here's the band pick that I I chose to to find. I thought this was uh, I, first of all I thought it was hilarious because yeah. I, I I could I was like is he posing with his yeah, mouth yeah. open? Yeah,
2: yeah, always. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for some reason when there's a camera in front of me, my mouth just goes open. <laughs> yeah. I can't I can't, I'm, ah, I can't fucking close it.
1: But but it's funny when you when you Google stuff and you find out other things. Like I don't know if you guys need to start launching lawsuits. Because they made a whole cartoon, or I think it's a video game. Is it a video game? Have you seen? This? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, of
2: course, <laughs> I've seen that before too. We've, that, that's been around for a while. This, this. Uh, I think it's a Australian kids cartoon. Aust- um,
1: okay, well that yeah, well that would be that. I, I would be like calling a lawyer because you. Well, first of all, <laughs> you guys toured for like two years in the South with the presence of the with the presence of the United States of America, right? Like two weeks two weeks just, okay just, so i think it two, two yeah, yeah. okay yeah, so yeah, still no, it's just, felt weeks. like two years with that fucking uh, yeah, yeah. Beaches song <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah
2: no for um we did in australia uh all across australia to like sold out shows but surprisingly and well not surprisingly but ironically the president's united states biggest audience are is in australia
1: <laughs> there's a lot bands of bands from well there's a lot of bands from canada that that have that same thing i don't do you remember ember swift Yes, 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 yes. She she was huge in Australia. And now Uh, she lives in China, where she's huge there too, I think. But like, mm -hmm. and then uh, Eternia, the rapper, she had a big audience in Australia as well. I
2: love Silk. Yeah. Yeah, she's great. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So you were part of that milieu back then. Like, um, it's so funny. Every time I have a musician, on, I mention uh, the Pocket 12s. But anyways, the Pocket 12s, you guys played a lot of shows with, right? Um, Brothers,
2: my brothers.
1: Yeah, I am Rest in peace, Rest Sheldon. Rest in
2: peace, Sheldon.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I've been yeah, I'm still you know, I was saying to uh uh to a guest that I had last week, I think it was uh Naja Caliber. Um mm, Naja's him. like he's the FIFA World Zoom Cup. Zoom. Host. Yeah, yeah he he is. Is, he's the yeah, official FIFA God. World Cup host, arena host, which I think is amazing. Mm-hmm. But um just, just on She's Sheldon perfect. for a second. Perfect. Yeah oh my god that he was born to do that shit for born real yep. um and it's funny because he makes fun of himself because people over there think he's kevin hart all the time
0: <laughs> he's a little dude yeah, <laughs> little black so guy.
1: i told him I'm like you're lucky you're in this era because if this was the 80s it would be gary coleman non yeah.
0: right? <laughs> yeah, dude.
1: but um uh but uh yeah but but the sheldon thing i realized since his passing cause I still write rhymes all the time and I still like record. I just record like cheaply. Just, I just make scratch tracks basically. And then maybe one day if I ever get to studio, I want to create an album for my kids called the midlife mixtape, you know, and just give it to my kids so they can make fun of me when I'm dead. (laughs) But but when I record, I go out on the deck and I'll smoke a joint or something like that. And I realize that I have this neural pathway that I must've had for 30 years that I didn't realize until after he passed where I have an automatic thought of what would Sheldon think of this. Mm. And I noticed that since his passing, I'm like, I caught my, I'm like, Oh my God, I do this all the time. Like, yeah. you know, he's, he's one of those, dudes. one of
2: those, he's one of those dudes. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, So many shows with the pocket dwellers, so many hangs backstage. Mm. Um, My Bob Marley tribute that I've had going for over 10 years, I want to say 15, but it could be less than that. Yeah. Uh, the main, our main drummer, the majority of the time has been red. Marco Raposo yeah. from the pocket dwellers. Um, Nigel and I have, a, a new project. A lot that sort of spearheaded by our brother skits, AKA Iverson black. That's, uh, the, yeah,
1: that's right. I, so I, this, I heard that track. That's a great yeah. track, dude. Yeah. Yeah. So
2: yeah, cheers. Thank you. That, the like this, group of six guys we, for this tune that was just sort of a feature on on Skits' record, on Iveson Black's record, yeah. um, was just a, a, a kind of a posse cut. And it was received so well, and we had so much fun doing it that we're working on a full record now. And uh, it's a lot of fun. I'm really stoked. And, and feel super fortunate to have these guys on a team together and to be able to, to have an outlet. Again, I'm similar to you where I'm constantly writing things that pop into my head, making notes of rhymes and I'm stoked to have an outlet to, to get them out there and and use them.
1: Yeah. Were you a rapper before a singer? Yes.
2: Yeah, I would say so. Um, I'm more confident on a rapper on the microphone than I was a singer and that sort of just evolved. And, and then I had to uh, start doing singing lessons to be a better singer, but also more so uh, sustain the voice uh, while touring and being able to um, just take care of myself properly.
1: What were you listening to growing up? Mm.
2: Man, you know, I listened to everything, but growing yeah. up, uh, my favorite band after I saw so I was at the first um, Stone Temple Pilots show in, in, oh. uh, in Toronto. And, and, but while the show was awesome, the opening act that that I, I wasn't expecting. It's, you know, this is pre-internet. I, I uh, was the only only information I had was from my subscription to Rolling Stone that they were on tour with the Butthole Surfers. Oh. So I'm looking up the Butthole Surfers, getting to know them a bit more. But when we show up, there's a big backdrop that says they have a bulldog on it and says the mighty mighty Boss Tones on the backdrop. What what the hell is who the hell is this? So you can imagine wow. that that kicked my teenage ass. <laughs> and was a heavy influence to where I left the venue. Like that's my favorite band of all time. <laughs> really? and, wow. and so this, this, the ska and the, and the, even the dancer, that's what, why we had a dancer in the salads straight right. up in, influence from the Boston's who also we know that had a, had a, a a member of the band that danced. Um, so it was that it was, um, all the grunge stuff of that era. Of course I'm I was a mm-hmm. child of Nirvana and stuff and hurt when Kurt, hurt, Kurt was gone. Um, all that sort of stuff and Pearl Jam and whatever, but I was also one of the few kids in my high school that listened to hip hop. Yeah, and, listen, and, and I think my first exposure was N.W.A. and then moved on, of course, to the Beastie Boys, oh, and then the naturally, awesome stuff. yeah, yeah, and then naturally to Cypress Hill and and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then uh, moving to Toronto just opened up yeah. my eyes, and particularly after starting to work at HMB on Yonge Street, where I worked for about five years. That's where I met you. Yeah, that's exact exactly right. I was trying to trace that back and I,
1: and I think that is dude I know, used, used to look for you. I used to yeah. look I because Nigel had to remind me. Like I didn't I didn't put it together until recently. But from like maybe well I'll, I'll have to cross reference the years with you but mm. 2000 to 2002, right around there. huh I used to go into HMV and I would literally try to find I think it was you. I'm almost positive it was you. And be like new hip hop, and you, and and after after a, a coming in so many times, you were like. Sometimes you were like, "Not anything you're gonna like, man."
0: Oh yeah, yeah.
1: Because <laughs> I was like, "You got this, this, and this." Yeah. You're like, "Now nah, you need to go to play the record, James." You know, or whatever. Right? <laughs> it's probably. Totally. Not a cliche.
2: Yo, man, that, that was such a, a magical time and a really heavy influence influential time on me musically um to a kid coming from Stratford now in toronto um, working there and particularly at that time in that department and all my co-workers were some fucking phenomenal musicians and amazing music musicologists just people uh, djs producers um rose and nick from Lau,, yeah were, were there um tyrone calendar who was a dj boogeyman at the time um, okay. who has a, he's got a podcast uh, uh that not about drake podcast i think that is that's his <laughs> that's the this, name this, of podcast? This, oh no, it's, it's sorry. called it's, sorry it's called this is not a drake podcast and it's influenced by drake but mostly about toronto and music and okay. that uh, uh, sort of thing
1: uh, what a clever uh title, though, right? yeah. <laughs> it
2: is you can find it out there um uh, Sarah Siddiqui, who's a great musician. Mike Tall was our manager. DJ Mike oh, yeah. Tall. Yeah. Um, uh, this, this, this cat Billy, um, who's elusive and not online anywhere. This dread taught me so much about reggae and that reggae section, which I was so thankful for because at the time, again, I had had nobody to teach me. I was coming in just knowing, obviously, about Bob Marley and the Wailers and Peter Tosh's material, and and a, and a bit here and there. You know, you'd be forty and whatever I was exposed to there, without people really showing me some deeper records and we had access to them right there we were yeah. ordering the stuff so i i became deep into into jamaican music um reggae in particular and uh, i remember immediately falling in love with uh the congos and then wow. and then that taking me down to like lee perry production obviously and just a huge fan of jacob miller and uh freddie mcgregor and all that stuff don't even get me started but mm-hmm. hip-hop hip-hop as well too and then meeting cats in the scene. I remember meeting this cryptic souls crew really early on in in that time. So, so when I started doing these salad gold shows for, for a while um, that were just salad concerts where we could, do a show that other regular promoters were scared to do because you're mixing all kinds of different bands. It's not, it's not just a rock show or a a hip hop show. I was putting all kinds of stuff and then putting a a breakdancing crew in the midst of it all while a a metal band is playing or whatever. And it flew off the hook so good. Um, But I remember just bringing in people that I would meet at the store. Um, And of course all the cryptic souls crew guys were all over the place and there were so many of them. monolith guys were all over the place i I love chatting with with grimace um i've i have fond fond memories of those times because that's when i really connected with the toronto music scene
1: yeah man and the way that you describe it 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 brings me right back there because the music like in the early 2000s like we had especially not especially but like you know the the golden era of hip-hop probably ended in like 96 97 something like that and then um you know, alternative music kind of had their golden era really from like 91 to 98 was really like, you know, yep. when, when that happened. And so what I think happened, and I'm just totally spitballing this theory. Sorry but to like, interrupt you.
2: Yeah. I would even push past 96, 97 a little bit because I feel like that Dilla era was a little, maybe, maybe you're hitting it right on the note, but maybe it was a bit 98 as well too. But anyways, I just wish yeah. wishful thinking that it, it lasted probably, a bit longer.
1: It might be a bit subjective. We're we're bookending it below two thousand yes. anyways, right? Like for well, all yeah, you no. youngsters out there that thinks that everyone thinks that that uh, fifty cent is old school. You know yeah, yeah, I guess exactly. it is now. Fuck, that bothers <laughs> yeah, me so much. I you know. Know. <laughs> I know. But um but that was that era, that 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 early two thousands kind of like era of music. was so experimental like it was was like and the fusion that was happening was like amazing you know and and that's where that's where bands like yourself and the pocket dwellers and you know um bedouin soundcloud like all these bands that like were and by the way they're the most genius band in, in my mind because not only was their music great but they knew, unlike the pocket dwellers, and I love you guys, that you can't feed more than three Canadian bandmates when you're a Canadian band, right? Like, I, I always joke That's with that. I used to always joke with Nigel about feeding ten people. Like, how do you band feed like, ten people?
2: A band like uh, my son, my son the Hurricane. You need you need to yeah. chat with with Dano, their drummer, who runs the whole whole thing. That's a fourteen piece band.
1: Oh my god, they all get paid. How do they oh, all get paid? And, and- <laughs> What, talk to what Dan. silent billionaires <laughs> is, is funding these guys? You know,
2: yeah. Talk to Dan sometime. I wonder that myself as well too. That that's interesting, interesting thing. But but you're right. And nowadays, most bands or whatever. Like I, I was at a, a show last night. Uh, I took my mom out to go see Jacob Banks at, at History. Yeah, uh, absolutely in love. I'm a huge fan of his. He's a, a, a English artist, um, Birmingham, and uh, him on the on a mic. A drummer and then a guitar player who hit, who played guitar and hit samples sometimes too three piece band oh, wow. that's that. and the and the opening act was exactly the same it you see a lot more of that lately because of just exactly the the point that you're making that uh you can't travel especially nowadays too you can't travel with a huge band unless you have you know some sort of um, unlimited funds
1: yeah it's it's you know? it's kind of depressing um you know. Like, even Feldman is probably not going to book bands with more than four members now to tour the yeah. like frosh tour, right? Because yeah. it's just yeah, yeah. That's too much money. Like, mm-hmm. you're all going to be staying in the same hotel room and it's going to have one queen size bed and right. your drummer yeah. is going to take it.
2: Yeah. You know, <laughs> no we, we, we had that issue at the same time. What, what, when, uh, when we went from, uh, a five piece, uh, to a four piece, like with our, with, with and without our dancer, it was like mm-hmm. it was a matter of, uh, two, um, hotel rooms or three uh, two, yeah. like, there's two beds in each one <laughs> so, right? yeah there's there was a lot of there was a lot that was, that was one I remember that was one little change and factor of of that and why we decided to keep just four guys and travel with four guys it was just easier than five even the odd um, number was like. Something like that.
1: One of the things you did that was probably a highlight for the Salads was uh, the Warp Tour, I would imagine. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Love We that. did that two years in a row. What was that like? Because that does that start at South, South by Southwest? I can't remember exactly where that started, but, we would but just it was a good do, tour.
2: Yeah, we mostly just did the, the across Canada dates. Yeah. Um, the one we did, sorry, two, we did some American dates, but one of those, strangely enough, was this odd time that I wasn't on. And we had a – it was just a short set, so we had – and my son was about to be born smack dab in the middle of this this week and ended up being really chaotic and a tornado hit and every band's uh, merch got thrown around. And it <laughs> nightmare not worth going anyways. I'm glad I stayed home. But yeah, we did play Cleveland. Uh, Warp Tour is a blast, man. Like, you know, you would just learn that we each got a, a – small bmx that you'd throw in the back of the trailer as well as well too so when you got on site you could bike around and put posters everywhere um all that stuff it was so great to see bands and and i have countless stories of meeting and seeing bands my favorite my favorite story of them all is probably when we played in cleveland and uh asked angela angela moore from fishbone was also on the tour oh, wow. um, we'd already toured with them and was friends with friends with them and so I thought, hey, hey, can we do a fishbone song with you? He's like, that'd be great. What do you want to do? Skank to the beat, we were thinking. He's like, that's awesome, because the best rest of the guys in Fishbone don't like playing that song. It's one of my favorites. Let's <laughs> let's fucking do it. Uh we start doing our set. We see him wandering over, you know, half naked with his 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 sax, saxon hand, and uh came up and did that with us immediately, immediately after, you know, at the same time, our peers and Alexis on Fire and Billy Talent are all in the audience. <laughs> the few canadians over the border with us loving what was happening we finished the song kevin lyman of warp tour the the organizer of Warp tour the the man of Warp tour comes up on stage gets my microphone from me or no yeah angelo's microphone says to the crowd that this is what warp tour is all about mixing mixing something old with with the new and and keeping the scene alive this way, and and showing both and everything, and then and then yeah, the crowd goes crazy, turns to Angelo and says, "Stay, stay up here with these guys." Wow. <laughs> Angelo comes over to us and he says, "He wants me to stay up here with you guys. What, what, what do you want to do? Do you know any other Fishbone songs?" And the rest of our set turned into a bunch of whatever Fishbone songs we could pull out of our ass, and yeah. uh, it's it's all a blur to me. I don't remember what happened, uh, but everybody seemed to love it. And as soon as I got off the stage, uh, I've never, I don't know if I've ever said this publicly before, but my my drummer and I, as soon as we got off the stage, we just so overwhelmed with emotion and, and just joy that we sort of, the crowds is small. So there's not a backstage, there's like a fence behind mm. the stage and then a barricade. Uh, the audience can't come between this small area. Uh, we got off the stage and went to the back fence, facing the back fences. Called our wives and bawled our eyes out. Oh, that's good.
0: that's <laughs> like, great. No man, you never
2: know what just happened. You can't. You'll. I can't even explain what just happened <laughs> to our wives, and, and then finished that, cleaned ourselves up, hugged. Oh, I love pay, that. Pay, was that, fans. No, that. Was that Darren Pfeiffer? No, that Grant was with us at that time. Our original okay. drummer, Grant Taylor, um, and then paid attention to fans and, and did all that. That stuff that we love there.
1: Ah, oh, that's that's yeah. a great. I love hearing that type of stuff. Right. Like, yeah. first of all, big ups to An- big ups to Angelo for when that guy called him old. He didn't just leave the stage. That's good. Oh right. man, yeah. And <laughs> Angelo never knew. Angelo's like, what the fuck? I don't
2: know. I, I I don't I don't even I don't I don't know the that those are the words exactly that Kevin used. But he was yeah, but no, he was he, yeah. he was saying like you know the old school like the the originals the ogs here with with and with newer bands. Uh, making making something something brand new and uh again huge shout out to angelo he is the best front man that has ever lived
1: wow period
2: and still and still performing so really if if if, if you don't know folks fucking pay attention to the man wow wow he's still going and while fishbone is still playing live still
1: (sighs) So, what that's can great. I let me ask you something? Like, you both called your wives and you shared it with them. First of all, I'm trying my best not to like, be like, were they receptive or were they like, that's great, honey? Like, I don't <laughs> know. I no, don't they're
2: know. hella receptive. My, <laughs> okay, my, my wife knows that Fish, Fishbone is my number one favorite band and, and they've influenced us so hard from taking us on tour to yeah. um, recording a song with Angelo on our last record, the title track, Music Every Day. It was a song we, we wrote in, and recorded with him. Um, we done other one-off shows, uh, you know, with uh, slightly stupid. Headlined the the first, not it was the maybe it was the first time they played. The opera house, and it was I think maybe Toronto, but uh, super massive at that time. It was practically like Sublime was playing. They took they they took Fishbone on tour as the opening act. Wow. And then we opened for the show, um, that at the opera house, and that was just. Ooh. Crazy, I love crazy. opera house crazy, shows. Crazy. Oh man, so what much a great fun, venue. Yeah. and so many times, so many memories and moments hanging with everybody underneath the stage there, back backstage.
1: Oh yeah, uh, hot uh, as fuck though in that room. It is hot. It's hot. <laughs> it's it is super sweaty room. Sweatiest room ever. Like <laughs> it is pretty
2: gross. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and smoky when we were there.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, no. I, yeah, low ceiling. Every time I was in that room, I was usually pretty. Pretty mm-hmm. high. Um mm-hmm. but I was usually the guy with the weed. Passing something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah likewise. <laughs> yeah. Um no, but I like that. I, I like I, I like it when I hear musicians that are impacted by something that has to do with what they're doing because it was just overwhelming to them and they and it's funny because you don't want to dwell, I guess, too long in that space because for some people it probably stops them from progressing, but you do got to feel it and allow yourself to like feel excited for what you've accomplished. Right. Like Mm -hmm. that. And the spontaneity of it all must've been also one of the main ingredients of how it impacted you.
2: Yeah, for sure, man. For sure. Uh, it, uh, I initially like fishbone taking us on the road, they, they liked our music initially, Mm. but the big seller, uh, when they came to Canada, uh, was like, you know, can these guys, can we, can we use their drum kit? So we have don't have to bring a drum kit as much, um, th- this and that. Actually, that that tour was Fishbone and the English Beat and and us. Um, that was a trip. Yeah. <laughs> Just, right. yeah, dude, it's 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 uh, it's it trips me out even more to think back on it because I'm still a massive fan and we were massive fans then, uh, and in it you 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 have moments. Like I had a moment in in Ontario somewhere with Angelo where we just got off stage and I'm in the in the bathroom changing and he, he came in to change to for Fishbone to go on right next. And he was having a bit of an emotional day, but um uh congratulated me on our show and said how he enjoyed it and then um started getting into me about how he was not sure how much longer he could continue to do what he was doing. Fishbone was going through a bit of a a tougher time then and losing some members. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, it wasn't all exposed to us, um, but I felt it through him and I knew that, and I know about it now after, you know, they're they're talking about it and and how they went sort of down emotionally and up on this roller coaster. Um, But he he was telling me that he wasn't sure how much longer he could keep going. This was and
1: two and they're still going
2: <laughs> 20 years later and, and i i just remember saying dude like I, in the moment i'm like oh my God, i can't I, I'm, he's such I'm a huge dead. influence on me i'm a huge fan how do i take this how do, and what do i say um because he's already been going a real long time and, and and i was just i'm like man well i i, I don't know what to say other than please don't <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i'm a huge fan and fuck yeah. <laughs> and they ripped it every night, man. Their best show of that tour was to the smallest crowd of the whole tour. Um, just that, and that, that to me, too, is a, a real mark of, of professional, talented musicians that they don't, there's not a night where they're ca- phoning it in. It's mm-hmm. slang, no matter what the audience, how big the, or small the audience is. Um, they obviously, you know, feed, feed off, as any band will feed off of a, a hype audience, but they're still going to blow the roof off the joint no matter what you're doing or who's there
1: yeah no that's great um that must have been really surreal for you you super
2: surreal and 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 again an honor to see them night after night and then to hang out and think of questions to ask
1: yeah (laughs) hi i'm steve yurko
0: and i'm tara sands now available from maji media is our new podcast for kids flashback 4Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more.
1: Is it weird because, like, you don't want to come off like a fanboy? You want to come off like a colleague almost, but then you want to make sure you can hang with them, but you don't yeah. want to seem like a Klingon. Like, like yeah. there, must, there must be moments where you're like, "What do I do? What do I? Do? Should I? Should I just yeah. walk away now? Should I seem yeah. aloof? Like, you almost want to treat them like the girl you like. Don't come on yep. too strong. You know, walk away. Totally. <laughs> walk
2: away. We were in our our
1: twenties,
2: um, and it was still young and still. Trying to trying to be cool and trying to fit I, 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 to bring that idea back too. That's one thing that I I, I I wonder if I wish it wasn't so competitive. The scene in Toronto specifically, um, maybe Canada altogether, or just the music scene, uh, or maybe it was just us <laughs> being like, we're gonna fucking slay. That's the salads, I mean. Um, uh, but and maybe I, sometimes I feel I I, I wish. We uh, could have matured faster and and had those times as the guys we are now, with the heads that we have, now, with the experience we have now, without yeah. trying to be cool yeah, and just annoying. doing what. And not that we were trying too hard, but the, there wasn't there was an air there. Uh, there uh, was a real hard air of I don't know if you felt felt it, but of competition uh, in in music, particularly in Toronto, uh, in Screwface capital like yeah you know, i always
1: applied it to hip-hop i never really applied it to other genres yes you know in, like and in,
2: in ba- with bands as well too any kind of bands is it like so, that with uh, bands uh, too? among maybe more among musicians sort of yeah. thing chirping about how somebody's playing something or someone's gear or whatever or super competitive but part of that yeah and part of that i'm like fuck i wish i like part of that i feel like it may have held us back from closer relationships we could have had with some bands and musicians. Mm. On the other side of things, I think it made the scene try harder, made, yeah. made people try try harder to be better than that guy. And what made it so amazing and vibrant and had, so we had bands like the pocket dwellers. We had bands, we didn't have bands, but we had bands being influenced uh, that were to come out like Casey, Casey, Casey Roberts yeah, uh, and the revolution huge pocket dwellers fan i think yeah. he almost i would have almost say that casey started his band because of the pocket dwellers yeah um you know it's amazing amazing stuff like that um, i
1: enjoyed that about toronto about the 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 sort of miniature subcultures that were created yeah. with bands like yours and the pocket dwellers and stuff because he kind of like felt like when you would go to a, like I loved it when you guys played together, you guys did a bunch of shows together, but like, yeah. I, I remember one specific one at the reverb. I think it was like 2003 or 2002 or something like that. Sure. And, um, and it was like, you could, you could tell when you were there, um, who like like you, you could you could tell who came for the salads and who came for the pocket doors but you knew that everyone liked the other band anyways yeah but the like but it kind of had a vibe those though your band and pocket was specifically just because i know about this firsthand where it was like the people that were there they were in the know you know what i mean like they kind of felt like they knew something that the mass audience didn't know about and they fucking liked it like that you know what yeah. i mean yeah man and i felt
2: it at hmv too when people would come by. I'd, maybe some people would recognize me but if they didn't and they were coming to look, a lot of people would come to look for the Pocket Dwellers stuff. I remember we were trying to keep it stocked at particular times. Yeah. Uh, the Digitally Organic record, I remember specifically and then the live record and all, all that stuff. on CDs, I, it was rather, I should say. Um, yeah, I, I'm so thankful for those times. They were so, so awesome. Um, and That may have even been a salad gold show that that, that, that was that you saw and, and, and again to bring it back to those things. My whole idea was to have different style of acts on the same bill. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the, I, 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 and I remember putting a, a friend of mine who was a soul artist named Joel Parisian, plays keys, sings like fucking Stevie Wonder, white guy, and and then a reggae band on the same bill and a hip hop mm-hmm. act. And I clearly remember standing to this group of dreads that were there for the reggae act going like holy fuck like, like you hear this white boy <laughs> they're losing, they're losing their mind yeah. and then uh and then all of a sudden uh, a, a breakdancing crew parts the crowd in the middle and people yeah. are like what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> I, I love love that stuff because it exposed people that were again promoters were scared to put to mix that kind of stuff up and and yeah. because the saddles were a mix of genres. It just felt right. And because uh, of the people I was meeting at HMV and making friends with, um, were passionate about their music. And I listened to all kinds of music. It just And Toronto so multicultural. Mm-hmm. It just made sense for so many reasons. And it worked like a fucking charm. And yeah. I think it sparked um, more things kind of like that, or maybe, again, more bands and, uh, to just inspire them to start up other music. And you have kids now? I do, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got a yeah. a fifteen year old son and a almost six year old daughter.
1: Oh, we have a daughter, <laughs> I, uh, the same age. Yeah, it's the greatest, yeah, amazing,
2: so amazing. She's yeah. my she's my creative one.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. She's my, my, mine too. Um, it gets uh, it's interesting because when you have kids, that changes your perspective. I'm not just like what you did for a living, because obviously, like if you're not making a lot of money as a musician, you know, in Canada, big surprise, <laughs> you know, <might> <laughs> things. But even as a dad, you know, yeah. um, you know, and, and trying to like navigate the waters of like kids and what they should look out for. Um, we were talking a little bit before we went on uh, before we went on air about about some stuff that like you had to deal with when you were growing up. I yeah, in um, your family, and I was actually really inspired by what you had, what you told me um, about, you know, how, how your sibling kind of handled that. Are you okay to talk about that kind of stuff? Or absolutely. Like, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely.
2: It's been, it's been such a long time and, and uh, oh. we've had so many conversations about it as, as has my, had my sister. So what yeah. we're getting at for those who, who are wondering what we're being elusive about, um, I mentioned to you uh, because mainly because a, I, I think it was. This year or last year, I've I've got a, a radio, uh, an online radio show I've been doing for almost ten years called Nice Time Theme Radio. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just kind of what I feel like doing it once a month uh, as a new episode. Or I tried to do that um, and that just theme shows. And I did the one I did a theme show recently about police, cops. Yeah, and introed the whole show telling the story about how uh, my father was an OPP officer and um, uh, he had sexually abused my sister as young as she can remember until she was about uh a preteen i would say when, when my parents split up um and uh he obviously you know as any kid your dad's your hero and you look up to him and as a police officer too his his position there he was a, a community services officer also so he was the he was the officer that came into schools and teach kids about bicycle safety Uh, and bring the case of of drugs to show you what drug what certain things look like and to look out for and all that kind of stuff um i'd say that was my first uh, on side note i'd say that was my first exposure going down in the basement and cracking open this case and a
0: little
2: little rolled up joint and, and uh, I don't think so. It may, no. it may have been. The joint sure as I, hell was, wasn't.
1: Can I tell too, you something? Like... If that was my dad and I found that case, I would have known in about 10 minutes. It and knocked it open.
2: <laughs> no, no, I wasn't that daring. <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah. I, I was, it, I mean, again, all I was ever taught was, it's going to kill yeah. you. Um, but uh, she came out about it after my parents split up. Um, and she was just a, a wild teenager and off the hook and, and kind of blurted it out once. My mom and my, and my stepdad, and uh, and it's kind of it, it went from there. Um, uh, went to court. He went to a correctional institution, not a not a real prison per se, because any uh, child abusing uh, police officer is not going to survive in, in a normal prison. Um, and uh, he got out. My sister to this day is a is a, a amazing woman. She's a, a mother to two boys, a, a, a wife to uh, great husband, uh, brother-in-law is awesome. Um, and uh, she's a teacher as well, too. She's been a teacher for many, many years and, and highly regarded, like the school's trying to pull her into to be principals and, and from what school's pulling her here and there. And she has, um, as I mentioned to you off air, she's even incorporated um, some of her experience into her earlier teachings. I don't know that she does so much now, um, but uh, uh, and it, I think that, in addition to a lot of therapy that she had, um, really where it was um, healing for her and cathartic. She, uh, for example, one teaching thing that she implemented with uh, some classes, she'd have a a sheet of a bunch of pictures of of different men, uh, young of all different cultures and background. And one was a picture of my my father in his OPP uniform and said, you know, one of these men is a, a sexual abuser, has abused people person, young people, and the kids obviously would never guess the police officer. She'd mm-hmm. tell them after they all made their guesses that that's who that is. I don't know that she connected it to herself. She mm-hmm. may have down the road, or even just depending on the, the students that she was teaching and their their age or, or, or their, their upbringing, uh, how, or how they were receiving it. Um, but I that in itself as well, too, um, built some uh, was early created some early discomfort for me with um uh, police in general yeah. uh then obviously growing up as a teenager and, and growing a fondness even still to this day um it's not a secret that I'm, I'm a big cannabis fan uh you know i can tell by huge, your eyes, buddy. <laughs> massive weight off my shoulder in, in in 2018 when canada legalized yeah um uh but uh you know, and, and I've only had a few run-ins with, with officers, but any time that I have, have not been pleasant. They're, they're, I, I, ha- I don't have much respect at all for them. And that's how early that sort of started. I, I'm learning even now, To uh, I was talking to my mom about this last night as we were driving to and from Toronto. Um, I'm feeling like I, I, I'm learning that I have a discomfort with even just men in, of in authority authority mm. figures that are male um oh i don't i don't like big egos and particularly big egos with and with guns
1: yeah um badges or priest callers you know and i'm not trying to be funny because i know what you mean by the authority thing like i i have met in the last 10 years probably because of where i live now for the last six years i've met like i don't know half a dozen priests but in like places that, other than church Mm. and uh you know uh, like the, like I, one time was that i can't remember where i was but there was like three people shaking this one guy's hand and it was like father 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 and when he got to me i was like mike because i'm not calling you dad yeah <laughs> i'm not doing it and, and it's just because it's not just because of uh how tradition, i feel
2: about traditions Thing too traditions are weird
1: <laughs> so just, like like listen i'm not i'm not a person who use like the word the patriarchy in a sentence normally but Jesus Christ, you're you're making me call this man father. I'm never going to do it. Like it, it's never right. going to happen. It's immediately infantilizing to me, right? It's, and I have a problem it's with just, authority, it's, anyways. It's but odd, man.
2: Yeah, yes, yeah. so you can you can identify. It's just odd. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, there's even uh, I didn't mention this to you, and and I won't go too deep, but I I know of, of a girl that I went to high school with. Rest in peace, uh, who was uh, raped in high school. Uh, and that began, uh, I didn't know about this until very more recently and after she'd passed even. It was sort of the beginning of a, of a real just traumatic life that she'd had and, and uh, bulimia and, and just uh, anorexia. And uh, and then she eventually passed. Um, to... Uh, to my understanding that person became a police officer and uh, still is to this day. Wow. Um, and uh, again, it's just, just stuff like that in my life t- trips me out and, and uh, makes me struggle with people in positions of power. And again, particularly in police officers. So, you know, those kind of, in- those two particular incidences, um, uh, to me, uh, being connected to like sexual abusers now, or at some point as well, police, Not my father's not a police officer anymore, uh, but this other one, other case, you know, was never uh, dealt with or brought to light um, in a, in a courtroom. Uh, the that's just disheartening. I, I feel there's a, a lot. There's got to be a lot of officers out there just power hungry and looking for looking to you know just be the man not really looking to uh, help people
1: yeah there i mean there's certain jobs that you know that uh are attractive to abusers right and they're always like it's like the priest or the teacher or the cop you know it's always something like that um dentists Believe it or not, are a big are like that is one of those common jobs. I'm not trying to rail uh-huh. on all dentists, right, right, right. Not, you know, but I'm just saying, like, you know, it's. just, yeah. I don't know. Thankfully, know I know some awesome dentists. Yeah, uh, I know. Me too. But, so I know. That, you know what? That's I know. new. That's I, new to me too. You know what's funny? I know a couple awesome cops. Right, like it's not. Hmm. You know, and 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 I know that you don't mean it like that. I know that like we're not talking about the nuance, but I mean it isn't every single police officer. But the problem, all often, is the culture right? It's the culture, not necessarily of all costs being abusers, but of a, of an inordinate percentage of police officers who don't, um, hold their colleagues accountable for little things. Of course, they're going to also not be held accountable for bigger things as well. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the, I, I'm afraid to even ask you what the sentence that your dad got, because it's already lenient enough for oh, people yeah, two, who are yeah. not two years yeah so for people who aren't even was, pops, was that's two years. Too do you ever have to
2: see him no and you know what he um still lives in Stratford wow believe it or not and uh my my mother has seen him once she's she's not left since all, all this time um I, I I think I may have seen him once passing by on a bike but I wasn't sure and yeah. I try not to Think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Someone in the, in the comments is like two years. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Bullshit. Yeah. And oh my God. Crazy. I tried-
2: and to be able to, to, to continue um, just a, a, a life in society. Um, I, I, I believe he's working at a factory in town. Um, yeah. You know, and a handful of people know it was public, public knowledge and all in papers, his name and everything. So those, those who would be old enough to, or just privy to know that information would know where and whatever, yeah. I am getting better at not thinking about it yeah. and not thinking about him every day. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's, 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 yeah. it's healthy for me and more of my growth. And, uh, and I am, uh, yeah, I, I'm also fi- I'm also on a, on a, to, on a brighter note. I'm also n- now able to find something good and everything that bad that's happened.
1: Yeah, no, that's to me, that's the, me that's and just in life in general. And that's the, the key the thing. That's the bright side of it
2: is that my sister um, is still alive, very healthy, mentally, physically, so well. Yeah. And, and, uh, I know, n- unlike this girl that she went to high school with, uh, in the other case that I that I explained to you mm-hmm. uh, who is no longer alive, you know, my, that could have been my sister. She, you know, yeah. she had, she'd gone through phases as a teenager with suicidal thoughts before she was open with, with all this stuff, you know? Um, yeah. As I imagine most
1: people in that case do. Well, I, I like the way that she turned it into uh, a success story. Um, Absolutely. should we talk about your brother? Um, I don't
2: have a brother. I have, no I have, you I, I no, had, you got a brother. Oh, motherfucking bro- <laughs> ah, That's my brother from another mother. That's right. Ah, look at this guy. Oh, uh, we uh, can't hear God. anybody. We'll, we'll hear you in a few minutes. Apparently, yeah. Apparently, that's, that's the ghost of the
1: machine will make your audio work. <laughs> but right now, your audio is not working, Darren.
2: Uh, for those who can't see, we're we're looking at my brother. Do you have AirPods him. in or something? Uh, Darren. You know, another Darren you, too. Buddy. So, Darren and really? I had a. Uh, uh, this is Darren Pfeiffer of the yeah. Mighty Mighty, formerly of the Mighty Mighty Goldfinger, now of um, a Punk Rock Karaoke, and the Dangerous Darren Show, and <laughs> uh, and the Darren and Darren Show that happened before Nice Time Theme Radio a while back at Punk Radio Cast and and uh, yeah. Indie Love Radio.
1: I remember Indie Love Radio.
2: And fuck, man, I love that guy.
1: Yeah, so much. I'm too bad we can't fucking hear him. And then we thanks dragged much. him into
2: the salads for ten years. He plays drums for the salads and is the drum run on on our last record, Music Every Day. Um, first co- worked started working with us as a as a co writer and co wrote It's All Right, which was on the the previous album to that, on the Big Picture, which yeah. we're about to get back on streaming sites. We we pulled it off, but we're about to get it back up. And again, thanks to to Darren, he's going to help yeah. us get it back up through High Floor Records.
1: I got to tell you, this is. This is the best Darren's ever been behaved when he's been muted. <laughs> <reading. laughs> you know, he's going surprise... to
2: pull his balls out soon if we don't have yeah, a sound. You
1: know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the key to the surprise podcast appearance is working audio. <laughs> he's giving us <laughs> a surprise. I love that
0: yeah, guy. Dude, fuck. I don't know, that man. I
1: don't know why...
2: Is that, yeah. that Dixon? Oh, he's gone.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe take away the camera and see if the audio just works on its own.
2: You might need to refresh it too. That's what worked for us later. Yeah.
1: It? Yeah. Banana. I can't hear you, buddy. I'm sorry. That sucks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. can come back in anytime. So that that, that was hilarious though. Yeah. I Shut I like, her all uh, down and
2: come back, Fife. Yeah. I love that guy. Oh, what a all good surprise.
1: In, and then all the way in. Right. Don't get too excited. <laughs> yeah. It was just this, this much. No. Fucking drummers, man. Get your shit together, Darren. (laughs) Uh, I don't know what to tell them.
2: Where Um, are you, Fife? Are you in LA right now? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. okay yeah <laughs> that was, driving that was a, so we could a, we could ask yes or no questions <laughs>
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna remove you Darren and then you're gonna come back and see if maybe that will work I don't know um <laughs> audio troubles I don't know yeah that's yeah. the bane of my existence because uh <laughs> because I'm not a tech guy dude when yeah. I first started this podcast it used to happen all the time and I used to get cold sweats and I like I had Noam Chomsky was my very first show right oh, wow. like yeah and it was uh I don't i don't know how i agreed to get him to do it i think i lied to him and told him it was going to be the dean blundell show because i was the co-host at the time. yeah and then i was like okay uh, we're about to start the inaugural episode of blackball but when we were in the green room i couldn't get it to work and i'm just sweating buckets and i'm just like i can't make this fuck up and i got like i got on the phone with like our producer chris rook and i'm like you gotta make this work for you somehow he's like first of all stop fucking crying and second of all yeah. the thing. That's like out.
2: i'm not a tech guy either i'm i'm happy that we figured this out at least yeah but
1: now i'm like now man, now because even if i was a tech guy like our tech issue at the beginning we're literally just sitting there i'm scratching my head and then all of a sudden it works there was no reason why it worked there's no tech guys that's gonna explain why that worked you know It's <laughs> 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 impossible but um yeah man um hopefully we can get darren back we only have a few minutes left but i wanted to bring him in um he was supposed to be in a little while ago but he had a work thing but uh yeah, yeah. Yeah, like good you, man i, I, was I fucking gonna ask love
0: that
1: you, though, guy. yeah he's a great guy um i was gonna ask you though about uh when you got us the warp the warp tour you split with the label why was it amicable like why was that um you can trash it, labels on my show because i fucking hate them oh you know you know
2: what it would like the the label situation was um uh kindling music so it was also our management at that time mm. uh which is, as we learned the hard way, it was a bad situation. Mm. And then uh, the, the whole label and management was sold to Jake Gold.
1: Oh, that's all you have to say.
2: There you go. <laughs> and then and then we <laughs> got the same One. legal team.
0: Hey, oh, Pfeiffer. Hey, we can hear you. You can hear me? Yeah, we hear it's you. Great. We hear you. Now, oh, my move. God. I, just re- I basically just refreshed the feed. That's what worked oh, for me okay. earlier too, man, when it was messing up. Where are you, buddy? <laughs> so don't say you don't have a brother. You have a brother. It's me. Yes, I do. I love. That you, was man. The,
1: I tried to intro it, but then We're your audio fucked up bigger. the whole thing.
0: How you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing good. Yeah, I'm at the um, You're company good. Halloween party, so I found a quiet place to to give you a hey, call. That's a Halloweeny kind of shirt, too. There's like kids walking around, and hey, let me see if I can give you really? a, a, an idea of what's going. on Where do you on. work, Darren? <laughs> Is it a call so, center? I work at CAA. <laughs> Uh, which is the oh, booking is agency sort of in business. Los Angeles? So we oh, have okay. all these people, and there's oh, people shit. all over the building, and just every floor of the building is uh coated with candy. Oh my, oh, wow. and uh, it's basically I it basically got out of work an hour and a half or something, it's like Willy Wonka, yeah. yeah. So I'm trying to find a quiet place to have a uh, to say hi, pop in and say hi. Oh,
2: I hear another kid, yep,
1: <laughs> I heard that. This kids uh, trick or treating. I don't think you're allowed to put them on camera, dude. You
0: look good. You look good. <laughs> I gotta fucking blur out
1: those kids now.
0: <laughs> you know what? I probably am gonna go on some like federal list now.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I'll make sure of it, buddy. Yeah, I know you will.
0: But Darren, you look good. You look healthy. You look uh... likewise,
1: man.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. To, awesome to see you on here.
0: This is the longest. By the way, Darren, this is the longest me and you have gone without seeing each other. Three years.
2: Aww. Yeah. That's we true. usually
0: see each other once about once a year on average. Um, yep since I moved to LA. When I come yeah. back into town a couple times, and you are bovine last time I saw you at Bovine. Probably bovine, or maybe it could have been the Phoenix at a show or something. But um yep. that, when are you coming just, back, man? Way too long. When are you coming back? Uh probably around Christmas time for a couple of days. Okay, you bringing the girls and moving here. Uh can I move in with you? <laughs>
1: If he gets rid of his records. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah get rid of, of those records. Put them in a story. Facility and and me, yeah, me and the girls will take up that space. Yeah. <laughs> no, nah, you know, there. man.
2: Yeah. You know, I, I just, I'm just saying, cause you know, you've had, you've chatted a few times online about your frustrations with the States at times.
0: Yes. You know, yes, particularly more during,
2: during yeah. um, D,
0: DJ T's reign. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Hey, look, guys. I I gotta go, but I gotta yeah, get yeah. back to the festivities. But I just want to pop in, and say hi. Thanks for having me on, and uh I love you, D. Love you too, man. Thank you, thank you for the surprise. Uh-huh. I love you, man. We'll talk to you there. Peace,
1: Miss you
0: guys.
1: Have a good one. Love weekend. you.
2: Yeah, that's well, that too. was good.
1: I'm glad that worked out at the end. Yeah, yeah I, you know,
2: I, it's so I, funny. It's remi- okay. it's reminding me now as we're thinking back a little bit. It's reminding me now of how I met Pfeiffer and, and when uh meeting oh, him. Do you remember the three, do, you remember, do you remember the 360 Club?
1: yes it was that was on on where was it
2: queen street near oh. on the same strip as the. As it, the, was the it was in the it was
1: in it was a basement club wasn't it it was like in a legion
2: no, no it was a ma- main floor oh. uh, but it was it was in a in the it was the back of a bar um but that's where i met fife i saw i saw the scatelites there the original oh, wow. like jamaican ska band yeah play there and um Fife was there, and I was a Goldfinger fan. Someone someone mentioned to me that he was there. And I was like, holy shit, holy shit. Uh, and, and our manager was there at the time, and his office was right across the street. So I grabbed him, like, go fucking across the street and grab some CDs. He's like, oh, really? I gotta do this. Yes, go grab some CDs. Go to your office and grab some CDs. Thankfully, he did and came back, and I gave Fife for a CD, and then we heard from him not too long after that. I'm sure he came to a show, and we just he connected with either our manager or with us and we just became friends and, and, yeah. and, uh, he started writing with us and then Grant left the band, our drummer after a long grueling tour. And he was just kind of beat down and like, I can't do this anymore. We have drummer auditions for a couple days, um, where we find a young guy named, uh, legs, who was with us for about a year. Or so Ryan Leger then joined, uh, every time i die and a bunch of other metal bands and that kind of stuff yeah. um but pfeiffer helped us along uh that whole process he was the drummer there to watch these drummers play and help us pick who would be our new drummer and then when legs stepped out and we had gigs a few gigs booked still pfeiffer jumped in to fill on those gigs and then we just kept them for 10 years wrote a record nice. with him nice. and uh he and i, I did love a radio that. That's show like a, i said
1: he did a dick cheney Dick Cheney yeah. was hired by George Bush to find a vice president, vice presidential candidate, and he came up with himself. Oh, there you go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, I like fight for though. Fife, um, we had an interesting relationship. The podcast, I find the podcast format was like I didn't really know what I was doing when I first started co-hosting with Dean Blundell. Mm-hmm. And um, and I took everything like, like it was all competition. So anytime Dean would put another co-host on the show. I felt like it was my job to make that co-host look not as good as me. Right. <laughs> and, also, and, and oftentimes it made me look worse than the, <laughs> than yeah. the guy I was trying to try. Sure, yeah. So unfortunately, Darren, like, and I don't really even have any specific memories of that, but I think in the back of my mind, I was like, who's this fucking guy? What the fuck? You know, like, and I would think I was, you know, but he honestly- it's Maybe it's the trauma like, thing again. Again, it's
2: a competitive it, yeah. scene. There's something like, I got to be better than that guy, but is it good? Is it bad? Did it make you better? Did you learn well, some things
1: from it? I don't. I, I think it probably stalled my progress. If you really want, i really <laughs> learned bridges. so much. Like I, I can't even watch like a podcast from like six months ago. I can't. Right. I'm just like, oh, look, I can watch anything from the last two months. I'm pretty happy with anything before that. nah. I kind of like
2: musicians and their
1: music. Probably.
2: I, yeah. I, I haven't listened to a Salad's album in years.
1: I, I just started yeah, to go back to listen though. to songs. But. <laughs> <laughs> but they're good. I, the albums, and I right?
2: rewrote them for that reason. I love them, but, but um, I, they're different to me. They're different yeah. to me than they are to the listener. Right. I have a different. Yeah. It's always like that.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, well, listen, buddy, it was, it was good to, it was good to like get to know you and catch up. Um, yeah, You yeah. know, I, 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 we have so many mutual friends that it was only so like, it, it only made sense that, uh, that you came on. But um, yeah, man, like when I told people that you were coming on the show, there was a lot of like, even my, even my wife is like, uh, her 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 ex is a friend of yours, and I forget the name of the band, um, uh, but his name's Paul, and he was also a drummer.
2: Uh, Zool's Evil Disco.
1: Could be. I that's remember name? that Demansky. That's the right. That's the guy. Yeah. Okay. The one. There you go. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: Um. Uh. Yeah. He plays in a bunch of different bands, but uh. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: But you know, like yeah. there's always, like it's it's a it's like you're like Kevin Bacon. You know, the six degrees uh, they- <laughs> of Kevin Bacon. Everyone <laughs> you know what? knows. Because- yeah, yeah thank you
2: man we kind of we we we'd often joke that the salads in general were kind of like that like the kevin bacon of the canadian oh, really? music industry we'd be like name a canadian band i'll tell you how we're connected to them kind of when we that's play right. that game so often <laughs> that's
1: right um well listen i had a good time we'll, we'll have you back we'll have you back in the new year or something like that because that you, was man. fun um, again we'll I, have... you know
2: thanks thanks for asking me for, to be on the show i um i enjoy watching the show i i i like that i think again uh, like you mentioned, uh, uh, we've got a similar circle of friends. Uh, yeah. That so that some of my friends are coming and being interviewed on your show, and I get to learn about them a bit more as well, and, and get more deeper into their history where I'm not able yeah. to otherwise. And uh, and I'm thankful for all that. And, and and all the the shows that you do, you're, you're getting better at what you do then as well too. You know, I'm as, trying, my as gosh, I hope as you soon feel as I
1: figure out the audio. <laughs> get um, gonna have to get, get people to sign in like a half an hour before we go yeah. on air. now just to make sure the audio is ready <laughs> don't move don't fucking move <laughs> yeah man but the, but you know if you get more of those
2: more of those cats out here you know good yeah uh, that'd be great be great awesome great to see more people all right darren mr d yes sir thank you very thank much James. thank right. you man you have it's been a
1: good pleasure one. much all love right. that was awesome Um, I, that was the longest conversation I've ever had with him. Um, maybe one of them might've lasted longer when I was at HMB asking why they didn't have the latest boogie down production CD or something like that. But, um, no, he's, he's, he's awesome. Um, guys, I have like the craziest schedule, uh, coming up regarding, uh, the rest of this week and next week. So, um, Get ready, because it's going to be crazy. So tomorrow, I have Tammy Robert. She is a writer from the Dean Blundell Network, and we are going to talk about uh, her being such a ferocious critic of the home province that she lives in, which I love and I think is awesome. Um, then on Monday, 31st, we have Jeffrey Perlman. He is the author of The Myth and the Life of Bo Jackson, Bo Jackson was a, which is a book that just came out, I think, two days ago. On November 1st, we have Jesse Brown from Canada Land, and he's going to talk about the David Wallace pod series that he's doing called Ratfucker. And then on Wednesday, we have Megan Murphy. Megan Murphy is a journalist and a writer. You might remember her from, she was going to do a talk at a Toronto library about three years ago, pre-pandemic. And there was like this gigantic protest trying to stop her from actually going into the library to talk and to the librarian's credit, uh, she was like, she, she hasn't done anything. She hasn't broken any rules. Um, so, you know, we think it's ridiculous and yeah, she, she's a gender theory critic. Um, you know, and she, but she's very reasonable. Um, gender theory is one of those topics that we should be able to talk about without somebody calling you a bigot. Um, because I think it's, it's a worthwhile conversation to have and, 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 um, you know, sometimes there are certain issues where you're kind of pushed into, this is the right way to look at this issue. And then people become too afraid to ask questions. And I think that's what's happened with, with gender theory. I think, uh, I think if people say that if you question gender theory, then you say trans people don't exist. And it's actually not like that at all. That's the oversimplistic uh, definition that people give it because there are certain people that don't even want you to talk about any issues because they think that it's, all said and done. So Megan Murphy is one of those touchstone guests uh, who, yeah, she was banned for life off Twitter. Um, I think she's back under an account that's more about her brand. But uh, either way, we're going to talk to her on Thursday. And then we have a couple of guests on Thursday or Friday that I still have to confirm. But if I can, that is going to be one of the biggest weeks that I've ever had. So uh, my big thanks to Darren Dumas, Mr. D, thank you for coming out. And we will see you next time on Blackballed. (laughs)